Felicia from the moment Mike is my you princess. hear his voice, you know that it will be problems. Joey Coco Diaz has been working comedy stages for 90s, 15 years. With her tongue in cheek, exploring some topics of the dynamics of the male-female relationships, or as we call them here in the studio, dirty thoughts, and the proliferation of the sensual feminist. She's a little firecracker rolled up, and that's why I love her, and that's why you're going to love listening. So tune in, all right? I cannot believe you just said that I am getting up there in age. No, 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 I'm getting up there in age, and I know that I need my fucking, I need my two hours a day to get my head together. I had to get up at six to get over here to come by you. Oh my God, Joey. What I meant by that was you need time for yourself. People don't give fucking time to themselves. Oh no, that's true, that's true. What the fuck else? And you're not one of those people, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, well, no, that's true, look, you know what? I think most people are like that. They don't give time uh, to themselves. Gotta give time because to yourself. Because fucking life is hard, and I gotta work, and my kids, and the fucking ex, and the dog with the Jesus Christ Almighty, and trying to do comedy, and is my comedy relevant? And and I'm hanging out with an ex gangster in my fancy garage, <laughs> putting up a fucking podcast <laughs> where my for the children fucking... are killing other children oh. on PS3s across the world, and. And blood and gore, and I'm in here talking about sucking dick and how you uh, uh, stole from the blind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have time for myself. You know, last <laughs> night I was talking to somebody and I was thinking about my open mic days. I don't know if I told you, I used to live in Cliffside Park. So I would start the day at zero, Felicia. Zero in my pocket. Like, fuck it. Today I'm going for broke. And I would walk over to the AMP. I used to wear a suit because they used to sell cars on 11th Avenue down there by all the Cadillacs and shit in New York City and I used to wear a suit and I'd have a briefcase with nothing in it like this leather pouch that expanded mm -hmm. and I would go to the A&P in Fort Lee and I would on top of like the uh, aspirin bottles and all that shit mm -hmm. they had the back stock right. they would put the back stock in, in cases and I would take the cases of Tylenol extra strength pain reliever uh -huh. and I would take uh, vaginal scratching material like Whatever. Oh, yeah, Vagicel. Vagicel. Oh, that's what you would steal because you said that you would steal high-item medical things right. that you and could buy over the counter. Right, and walk them over the bridge and then walk right. them over the bridge and sell them to Dominican neighborhoods. And I was telling somebody this last night and the girl turned around and she goes, excuse me? And I, I go, are you offended? Cause, and she goes, no. My father used to buy stuff from people. He had a store on 179th and Broadway. Uh -huh. And it was like a fucking full circle. We started talking. I don't know. Now nah, it was 25 years ago. I don't know if right. it was your father or not. But every day I would walk over and sell this shit just to get like 60 bucks to start my day. And I go, 60 bucks. I got enough for a 20 bag of reefer. I got enough for lunch and the trains. And uh -huh. I got, on the way home, I could stop and get a 20 piece of rock, you know? Right. And it's so weird how now, how you wake up and your day is completely different. Like yeah. now I wake up and your day's completely different. And when I made that remark to you uh, before, and it has nothing to do with this, is irrelevant, is you have to give time to yourself in this life. You have to be a better friend to yourself. And people don't find the time to do that. I really, I didn't get my life together till I started making time for myself and getting wow. into my own head and get, taking a walk. Because there's things like, for me, it's as simple as putting earphones on and watching YouTube and smoking a bowl and getting taken away for an hour. Right. I, I, and, I, and I encourage that in people because we forget. We, we, we are spread ourselves out thin in life and, that, and, and we can't focus on everything. And that's why, you know what, if you gotta cancel those two weeks, Felicia, cancel them if it gives you more time, 20 more percent with your kids and 20 more percent with your graphic novel. 
default I'm saying right. to you? It's just so weird that you have to see what works for you. You gotta pick your own fucking battles. Because we don't punch a clock. But I'm fucking always busy. I don't punch a clock and neither do you. Yeah. But we're always, but I got I a notebook in the morning. I never yeah, I got, sit down. I got a notebook in the, every day. I got a big schedule and uh-huh. I got a little notebook. Uh-huh. The big schedule is Felicia, karate. I got to write. The little notebook is the specifics. Yeah. I got to go to the post office. I got to send three emails. I got to send the fucking bio to some guy that, that, you know, it's always something. It's always something that, and it's things that require 20 minutes and thought, you know, and it's, uh, your mind gets fucking tired like everything else. And I forget about at night now, when I get home from doing comedy, I used to get on the computer and then get revved up all over again. No more. Mm-hmm. I get home now, I play with the cats, I take my shoes off and I watch something on TV as bad as it is just to unwind. You know, time to yourself is very important in whatever you're trying to look at so you can reflect on your fucking day and see what you want to do tomorrow, you know, instead of having everybody else's life in your fucking head. Right. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And to the other extreme, you know, uh, I go through periods due to circumstance or whatever where uh, you find yourself kind of being lazy for a week. You know what I mean? Of If you can do that. Of, like, haven't you ever gotten vacation time? Well, you've never had a job long enough to earn vacation time. But if you get vacation time and you take off, you don't even go anywhere because all you want to do is fucking is sit around hang and out get in your, your bed. Together. And, and I look at that. When I go on the road to do comedy, Felicia, that's my time to... Go get fucking breakfast downstairs like a white person, oatmeal, and put a napkin on. I know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I read the paper like a sophisticado. And when I'm on the road, that's when I really live a different life. I put my glasses on. And I read USA Today. I read the Money and Time section because I got that time. I got that fucking time. Then I go upstairs and and I cut my nails and I whack off one. And then you watch fucking Oprah. Because I've never watched these shows on yeah, TV. Yeah. And you sit back and when I go on the road, it's my time to fucking relax. That you is know? exactly right. I oh do my that God. totally. Or I go I go shopping for, uh, uh, you know, things that are super cheap because you're in the Midwest. And it's, you know, cheaper than in a, living in a big city. So I'm all like, I need to get the boys some underwear. I need some socks. You know what I mean? Like I get all my, you know, and I just do it on my own pace. I hang out in my bed. I order in pizza. And then about 7 o'clock, I take a shower and do the show. Yeah, me too. I, I love it. I love all that little stuff, that little time to yourself is very important if you're trying to build and if you're trying to whatever the fuck. But you know what I was thinking when you were talking about how you bought all those medical supplies, the thought occurred to me, I would never want to buy discounted Vagisil off a street corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like To me, that just seems like the most taking the biggest risk on the planet. I'm going to buy something off a street corner that I'm going to put in my vagina to medicate it. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way. Really? You know, however, what... I will have sex with strangers without making them wear a condom. So what... it, it is my own issue. <laughs> what was really weird that, that, that he only wanted certain things. He wanted aspirins, Vagisil or the yeast infection stuff. Oh, really? The put stuff in little yeah. capsules. Aspirin to get rid of the headache, Vagisil to make it not smell bad, and yeast infection for after the damage is done. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking crazy. And I used that's, to do that shit. That's what everybody, uh, every man needs to have. In you know, and I was a Vagisil corner salesman. Like I was. How did dis- you pimp that Vagisil? Nothing. I just walk in. I go, you guys looking for anything? And they go, yeah. I got some badges. No, I wouldn't go to a corner. You go right into a store. Oh. You go right into a bodega and oh. go, hey, how you doing? This is what I'm selling today. They look at it and they go, we'll give you 15 for that, 18 for that, oh. and 16 for this. See, I thought Boom. you were selling it on the street. Too. No, what oh, kind of okay. fucking man am I setting badges on the street? <laughs> I, I wouldn't even go. be, I couldn't <laughs> even give it a. 
I, I couldn't even give it a fucking uh, a good enough whatever. Like a lady would say, so how does this work? I don't know. You put it in your twat. Yeah, I, I can see if a lady was selling vagus on the corner. But a fat guy with a fucking suit on yeah. that looks like big pussy at 8 in the morning selling Vagisil, that's never a good sign. By the way, they should have a kiosk in all malls that just sell Vagisil. It's, 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 you ever go by the kiosk? Hey, you want to put some lotion on your hand? <laughs> hey, you want to fucking amazing. buy some discounted medication? You sit pussy? here, and it's funny because we were talking before the break about how, you know, People email me all the time, like, hey, man, you got to tell more stories or something like that. You know what, man? The beauty about this podcast is that I do read the emails and I do read the comments and, and, and I feed this. We've talked about this before, how we feed this podcast from the emails we get sometimes. And it's funny, about six episodes ago, we had a conversation about insecurities. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe that the, the hotter the woman the more insecurities, you know, like the hot, like you look at some woman, you're like, look at that woman, she's got her shit yeah, together. Yeah, because you know? because a woman knows who's really hot, or a pretty girl knows that this is only a moment in time. I'm gonna be able to wield this power, and it means nothing in the end. But that's why. That's why. Well, you're looking at it now. Yeah. You now, didn't look at it like yeah. that when you were 22. And no, you, but you that's how I, that, I. I understand now. But you that were still how I felt. at 22. You were still very insecure thinking about it now. Absolutely. Oh, at 22. Absolutely. absolutely. The younger absolutely. you are, you no, know. Because I knew, I knew this was just a lucky throw of the dice that that my eyes lined up properly and I knew the right person to get my hair cut. You know, you know. It's amazing how a couple of weeks ago I was in Vegas. And after the show, we went up to a room, and it was all these comedians up there, you know, and all these friends of comics, and we were all talking. And at one point, I looked at all these guys in the room, and Joe was in the room, and Brian and Ari, and I looked at all these guys in the room, and I'm like, you know what? I have nothing in common except for one guy in here, which is Ari, and I felt so fucking shitty. So what did I start doing? We started telling stories or something. We started talking about blow, and we all started laughing. Everything made the, the moment okay. But for that five minutes, I felt so fucking insecure because these weren't my type of people but they are my type of people my insecurities call for that if you don't say nothing to me in the back of that my head that means you don't like me so i'm not gonna like you you know i'm one of those guys and and it's a bad insecurity to have because absolutely and and i got this email from uh from a lady that said that uh you know when she was 14 when most people were going to the prom or whatever, she was stealing her mom's car to go do meth. And then when she was 17, she ran away from home and got pregnant up in Seattle. And uh, when she was 21 or something, while most girls are doing this, she was uh, pregnant again and had a three-year-old that she was raising as a single mom because the guy had gone away. And uh, she thought about her life and her parents, how the parents had lost their house when she was growing up. And now... You know, they got divorced and she was split between whatever and that. She's never felt comfortable under her skin. It's amazing that she she listened to the podcast and she heard us talking about that. And she just broke down and cried because she couldn't believe that somebody could relate to it. And she specifically said that with her life now that she's married a wonderful man, that he's doing well financially. And I don't know exactly where she lives or whatever, but she was saying like she'd go to these high society parties in her neighborhood and she'd relate to the staff instead of the people at the party. Mm-hmm. She'd wanna, and she, her insecurities would always drive her, like she couldn't even tell her husband the truth now of, of what her past was, of what kind of life she lived. And she felt, even as an old, you know, she's 40 now, and she's like, you know, I feel that, uh, 
whenever I'm in the room with these people or I'm around these people that they know my secret, you know, that she goes to work at this place and that people talk about, you know, their proms and how they were accepted to MIT and she's like, at 17, I was on all fours trying to raise a kid and trying to feed, you know. Right. And it's amazing how that stuff carries with you throughout your life. Like, it's in the back of your mind every day. Absolutely. You know, and for some people, they they, they put it away and they live their lives. For some other people, it's a reminder. Right. For someone like me, it's a reminder. I like to remind myself, man. I love to remind myself about sleeping in a car on sunset, you know, in my apartment getting towed. You know, I love to remind myself of those stories just to keep me in perspective you know yeah yeah well I can totally understand uh, what you're saying and what uh, she uh, wrote in the email because I remember when I was 19 years old and uh, stripping and I was I specifically remember this I was at a Sears and I was buying shirts and the older lady was ringing me up at the register and I was handing her cash that I had gotten while stripping and I as I was handing her the cash, I looked at her and I just had this thought like, oh my God, if this woman knew where I got this money, how I got this money, the dirty, sweaty hands this money had just been through, like she she would be, in, you know, aghast, you know what I mean? Like, and that's honestly how I felt most of my 20s. Even when I was at the comedy store, you know, working as a regular, in the day of Kinnison and all those guys coming in, I was hanging around these people, and and I the thought I had is, oh my God, if they only knew what I did in my past, and then I got married and and uh, to a reputable person to a point, and and you know in the business world uh, and and in show business, and I carried that around when we were at Hollywood parties, when uh, you know with with the people that oh my god if they only knew that this was my like that's all I obsessed about and then you get to this point in life and I felt that way when my kids first went to their school of all the parents who were successful and together and then I when I got separated and all the horseshit that went down with that and I thought to myself and I had spoken about this in that podcast that you're referencing about how I realized at that point because I thought oh look at these uptight women the doctor's wife the you know actor's wife who's on a miniseries and you know like they you know and and they don't I think they think my kids are tainted now you walk around with this whole bullshit in your head and then last week I was sitting at a baseball game with my youngest son and I don't know what got into me but I just turned to a mom uh, uh, that I had known a little bit we weren't great friends or anything and I just said hey I'm working the improv Wednesday night do you want to go I can get you into free in for free she turns to 10 other moms and says let's all go see Felicia at the improv Wednesday night and then I was like alright and then I walked away thinking oh fuck I better not do all those jokes about the moms that go to my kids' school. Fuck that. <laughs> but then, listen to this. Then I go to the improv. They come. They're like, come have dinner they with us. They showed? They showed up. They're like, come have dinner with us. But I had to go uh, to a meeting and stuff. And But I, uh, they came in, and I was doing my set, and I got to the part about my divorce the first time. And it's kind of a funny joke about divorce. And uh, uh, I'm referencing a little bit of what went down in the divorce and everyone laughed you know but they cheered for me from the side like yeah 
you know what I mean? And so I really, you know, like it's thing when things like that happen, because I had another experience a couple weeks ago in the podcast that we had talked about, about a mom that had befriended me, but I had all this stuff that I was projecting right, on everybody projecting through on your, this filter that. of, I, I danced naked for two years of my life. You know what I mean? I did horrific shit for two years and I did other, you know what I mean? Or that uh, I, my comedy act is pure filth. You know, I thought there was going to be all this judgment and there wasn't. And, the, yeah. and there wasn't. And as far as, you know, I know when I was married, I never brought it up. Uh, uh, my husband knew, but I never brought up the details. And I'm kind of in the thought of... Uh, if you don't feel safe enough to share it with your husband, who says you gotta fucking share it? You know, if you got your shit together, if you're if you don't have a fucking warrant for your arrest, you know, I don't think shut you the should, fuck up. I don't think you should hide it. I don't no, think if he asks you pointedly, you know, in 1989, did you strip and open up your left labia so that you could get that extra five dollars at the t- table dance? You know what I mean? You don't need to tell him that. But if he asks you that, you might want to fess up to it if he gets that Well, if somebody asks you, they have to you expect a fucking answer. You know, that's why I tell people. If you ask your fucking wife or your girlfriend a question, you better be prepared but for that fucking that's answer. That's exactly So right. I'll tell you what. Don't ask it. Don't, don't ask. ask it and leave it alone and grow up and move on to the next fucking topic, you know? If, if either one of you or both of you have been through some shit and you have a good life and things are going well, uh, don't lie about it. But you know what? You fucking got your shit together. You succeeded. This is success. You know, uh, if if there's people you would like to share it with, fine. I don't. You know what I mean. But if there's not, that's okay too. Unless it's it. You know, that's okay. And it's funny because even if you don't share it or you don't want to share it, your insecurity convinces you that that person knows anyway. I know. It's I the know. fucking weirdest thing. Yeah. You know, this was a topic about insecurity that I just read, and it's going to be ongoing on this show because this is part of what this show is about. It's about character, and it's a, and character beats the fuck out of insecurity all the time. You Absolutely. Know? And that's why I tell people if you're on your way to, to get your life together, you want to get your life together, before you look at the big picture, in the words of Felicia, before you just focus on the tree, focus on the fucking forest. And you'll see that it goes a lot. I mean, for me, it's worked out. It's worked out because I've accepted it. Some people can't accept that fucking past. Once you accept it, and I won't forget it. I will not fucking forget it because it makes me do 35 and a 35. Right. You know what I'm saying? It Uh keeps you in check in your life. Yeah. And sometimes that's the moment you can't do 37 or 35, Uh even though you won't get a fucking ticket for it. I tell, and here's here's the thing. Once you get to the point where you accept it about yourself, you find yourself telling everybody. I'm yeah, like, who gives a fuck? I, I could be like, you know, at a stoplight with my window down, and the, and the car pulls up to me, and I'm like, in 1989, I was a stripper for two years, but I've got my life together. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I fuck mean, it, fuck it. You a know? lot of people love. Like, Here's my driver's license, officer. When, <laughs> I, meet, when <laughs> I meet people on these shows, uh, the last couple weeks, people have always said to me, "Oh, we love when." You know, what is Felicia's face like when, you know, and there's a couple things that Felicia has said that have made my fucking face go, wow. She just doesn't see it because my poker face, you know, I'm already used to it. But you told the story out here one time when you were stripping and the owner of the bar was a big black guy and there was a guy outside his door with a machine gun and you walked in. And he was like, what's up, baby? And you know what time it was. You just sucked this dick. And, and that was it. <laughs> Most women will take that story and sweep that deep, deep, <laughs> deep under the fucking carpet. 
You know what I'm saying? That goes next to fucking, you know, just the worst shit ever. Like, you know, I, I sucked a dick, but, I, you know, whatever. And, and that story destroyed me because not a lot of women would say that. I have a lot of respect for women who go, you know what, I did it. I used to date a fucking woman who you knew who was a fucking half an animal. And she lied about everything. And it was like, really? You can't lie about So you everything. went away with a guy for four days that you met at the strip club and you didn't fuck him. No, we slept in the same room. Come on. You know, that type <laughs> yeah. of shit is always I fucking know. Why just. Why do people lie about women stupid have this shit like that? Well, he wanted to. No shit. You know, no shit. You yeah. think he just took you for your fucking personality to Vegas before? I mean, it's always killed me. And it's like, it has to do with anything. I mean, years ago, I, met, I went to a guy that was a known fucking fiend. A known fiend to the part where he'd be on stage and people could see the rocks in his nose. And he was going to work with a friend of mine on the road. And I went up to him as a friend and I go, listen, man, you don't know me from Adam. But I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you here. All right? You're about to do something and you don't want to do that shit with him around. And this guy looked me in the face and said, what shit are you talking about? And I said to him, Coke, you know what I'm talking about? He goes, I stopped doing that six years ago. I put my hand out, shook his hand. That's the last conversation I have with him. Because I, I, I used to go to the same towns he would go to. Uh -huh. And we'd get blown from the same dealer. Right. And every dealer would always say, you know that guy? He still owes me 80 bucks from the last time he was here. So you haven't gotten high in six fucking years. Yeah. So I can never talk till this day. I still won't talk to this comic because of that situation that day. Because I tried to fucking help him. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? Really? You're going to tell me this shit? I know. And I even looked at him and said, "You don't." so you don't know Dave in Houston? And you don't know Chewy in El Paso? Right. <laughs> and he looked at me like, uh, you know what? That's conversations over with. There came yeah. a point in my life where I couldn't even deal with people yeah. anymore. Yeah. I couldn't deal with those people and people couldn't take advantage. You know, I, I was thinking about something today. I grew up with this girl. We both had sex with each other. I was 16 and she was 14. And we, we remained friends for years, you know. And then we rehooked up, you know, in the Facebook and MySpace era. And we would talk two nights a fucking week. Two nights a fucking week. We'd talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. On the way back, she came out to visit her boyfriend. And we went to lunch at El Compadre. And, and before I was going to go home, she, you know, we would talk on the phone. And this is the weirdest thing. Like in February... Her dad passed, like, in November, and I noticed every time she called me, she'd be a little on the Hammett side, you know? But she was my buddy. I know what she's going through. You know, she was living with her dad, but, you know, she's one of these people that always, well, I had to come back here to take care of my dad. Ah, you got a DUI in Florida. You came back, and your dad was sick. You know what I'm saying? Right. But she forgot that I knew this. She got involved in, like, a fucking terrible accident in Florida. Like vehicular manslaughter and oh, shit. Really? One of those type oh, of things. Yeah. So I kept talking to her and she kept putting this blame on the town where I grew up in. Well, that's fucking North Bergen. They don't do this. And one night I couldn't take it no more, Felicia. And I said, listen, do me a favor. If you're going to talk to me, talk to me the right fucking way. I'm sick and tired of you blaming this and blaming that and blaming this. And this bitch took us so seriously. We have not talked. Wow. I mean, I even went to my Facebook the other day to see what I haven't heard from her. See, she blocked me. Oh, really? Because I didn't say nothing bad to her. I didn't call her a cunt or nothing like that. All I said to her was like, listen, man, again, don't blame the fucking tree. Look at the forest, okay? Yeah. Don't fucking just say this tree got me here. Because she kept telling me how she wants to come to L.A. And she kept making me put these weekends on hold. Like, are you working the weekend of the 14th or 15th? Could you cancel it? Because I'm going to be moving out there. I need help. 
So I almost canceled Arizona the first time. She's like, and then I don't hear from her for a week. And finally I go, listen, man, I'm sick and tired of your fucking stories. Just because some guy said you could live in this house rent free and now you didn't hear from him. You sucked this dick and now you don't hear from him. So now you're putting this on me. And I just went off one night because I couldn't take those stories. No, I know. And I told her the yeah. truth. I said, instead of putting yeah. this down, instead of telling people that you moved here to take care of your father, tell me the story that you got involved in the homicide and then your father got fucking sick. This bitch left, you know, I don't listen to my messages. Like a week later, I was listening to my messages one day. She left me a message to lose my number, you know, and I just stopped calling. And yesterday I said to myself, wow, I can't believe that she just disappeared out of my life over me telling her the truth. I bet every listener, now that you've uh, said that, knows somebody in their life exactly like that. Like, I have a friend who is went through a divorce. Things are very bad right now. And all she does is obsess about it. And it's like, you know, maybe that's part of her process. But it's like, if I say to her, you know what? Let's do this, this, and this. I'll lend you this, this, and this. Let's get you a lawyer. Let's do this. And then, uh, and then she's like, "Well, I, you know, I'm, a, he, you don't understand." And he, he you know, he's, uh, you know, and going to, and he controls everything. And it's like, then shut the fuck. Then up. shut the fuck up. If you then don't shut do the this. fuck up. I'm saying to you, I will lend you this. I will find you a lawyer. I will, you know, we will walk down there together. Then let's be proactive. Well, then I'll owe money to the lawyers, dude. Uh, what the fuck? You owe money all over town. Who gives a fuck? What's the difference at this fix point? Fix it. Fix there's, it. Fix it. There's no debtor's prison. All you can do is uh, be you know? sincere and make an effort, and that's yeah. all you can fucking do in this life. Yeah. Let's take a breather. You got it. We'll be back. You know, you want to talk about perspective in life and uh, expectations. One of the first bands I really, really, really got into was Aerosmith. One of the first bands that drove me, I mean, Sabbath drove me crazy. Led Zeppelin pushed the fucking envelope. But there was something about Aerosmith that was amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first heard, uh, I think it was uh, Rocks. Rocks is a fucking masterpiece. It's an album cover with five huge diamonds on it. And it's the peak of Aerosmith. If you know anything about Aerosmith, it's the fucking peak of Aerosmith. Then I got into Get Your Wings, which is a fucking monster. It's got Train, Kept a Rolling, Seasons of Wither. Then you get into the first album. And then it was Toys in the Attic and Kings and Queens and all that stuff. But it's funny, one of the first concerts I went to see was uh, Ted Nugent, Poco, and opening up for uh, Aerosmith. And I went fired the fuck up. And they were horrendously bad. Really? Oh, they were horrible. Because they were in the midst of the... Oh, this, this is summer of 78. They were just horrible. They broke guitars. Joe Perry, and I was a bad... Until this day, I think Joe Perry is one of the top guitarists out there. Then I went to see him again somewhere, and they were fucking even worse. Like, they were just worse. And then they started breaking up, and they started going through their breakup, and they changed the whole band around. They replaced Joe Perry, and somebody else had left, and they had two original band members and... Steven Tyler and it was uh, like April of 81 they were touring Night of the Ruts which is a commercially garbage album it's got like two good songs on it and he was so fucked up it was a hot 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 night in Jersey real humid muggy right. oh that's yeah and I get there and I'm sitting next to this and I'm standing next to this kid Bobby Nacka 
He's one of the Naka brothers. And, and let's say this place seated 600 people. 400 of them were from my hometown. You know, so we were at home, really. And there was a chick in front of me with a halter top on. But then I, I got to be 16, 17. And <laughs> oh, a, I already know this. Go a, ahead. <laughs> there's a chick in front of me with a halter top on. And Tommy Naka is smoking a cigarette, but he's nodding on heroin. And every time he would nod, I'd push him into the girl with the cigarette, and he'd burn the girl's back. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Ah, you no. fucking dummy. I'm sorry, lady. You know, shit happens because we were standing. Oh, my And he would light God. another cigarette, and he would nod, <laughs> and I'd push him into the fucking bra, and he'd burn her again. Ah, what are you, a fucking asshole? And then they'd switch with the other girl, and he'd nod again. I'd push him into that fucking girl. Ah! So now, you know, he's my, oh, he, he's my buddy. You know, he's not really he's my your buddy. buddy. <laughs> he's not really my goomba, but, but I know he... him from town. I grew up with his brothers and shit. So I kind of drag him with me. And as the show starts, Aerosmith starts, comes out, and they're just horrendously bad. It's just that the tuning is off on the guitars, and Steven Tyler is fucking lit. I mean, lit that he didn't know where the fuck he was. Really? Lit high. Oh, just ooh. and sounded terrible and looking skinny. Oh. And he had black pants on. And, were, and in those days, they weren't tight jeans, but they were tight on him. And he uh -huh. was skinny. And his face was a mess. And he was just high. And he was incoherent talking to the audience. And it, and, and if you know anything about Steven Tyler, he puts, micro, uh, he puts fucking scarves on right. his microphone. Uh -huh. So at one point in the concert, somebody threw a joint up to him. A, a, a joint. Uh -huh. And he looked at the floor half fucked up. And he picked it up. And he sparked it, and he took two hits of it, and he like looked at it, and he flung it back into the audience, like a, in a mischievous way. Like uh -huh. he just flung it at the audience instead of like giving it to somebody. He flung it, and it burned somebody. Like people were like, "What the fuck?" So here's Steven Tyler up there trying to sing, and he tries to put. He picks up his microphone and he sings, and he puts the microphone out so people could sing with him. Uh -huh. And my buddy Mike Askelis grabs one of the microphone, uh, one of the scars, uh -huh. and now. Tyler pulls it towards him. Mike Askley pulls it towards him. Tyler pulls it towards him. Now, this is going on from the stage. And I'm two feet from him, not to mention I still got the junkie next to me who's still burning people. Uh -huh. By this point, at one point in the concert, he just hit the floor completely, and people just stepped on him. Like, this is how oh, bad this concert shit. was. People just got on top of him because it was like, fuck it, enough is enough. Thank God you passed out. The whole line <laughs> oh. in front of you got a burnt back. Everybody had a little burn on their fucking oh. back. He burnt everybody at this concert. <laughs> well, because you were shoving him into people. <laughs> That's how you do it. So, this is going on. Him and Mike, ah, this goes on for 30 seconds. Finally, Steven Tyler takes the fucking microphone, throws the whole stand at, my, at the audience, and jumps into the fucking audience. Now, he's been high all night. He sucks. This is Jersey, bitch. You got to bring it. This is the soap factory in, like, I forget, Leonia, New Jersey. It was like this old factory that they converted into. You, could, you had to bring your A game to this place. Well, guess what? As he jumps into the audience to, like, fight whoever... People start punching him in the fucking face. Oh, he's, really? He's, he's levitated on the audience. His feet aren't even on the ground. And people are punching him in the fucking face. People are punching him in the stomach. Now the security can't figure out how to get Steven fucking Tyler up. How the fuck to get Steven Tyler up? So they have to reach out into the audience 
and grab him and pull him in by his legs. This is now the whole time people are punching him in the fucking face and in the stomach. This is the real Jersey Shore. People always come up to me like, "Why don't you watch the Jersey Shore?" Because bitch, I lived it. People are punching this motherfucker in the face. Finally, they get Steven Tyler by the back of the fucking collar and they pull him up off the stage onto the stage. Steven Tyler looks up. He's got bruises on his face. He looks. He takes off, and that's the end of the fucking show. Now. Do you think at that moment when he went back to the dressing room when he was sitting there with ice on his fucking face and thinking about his next fix that he was thinking about being on American Idol 20 years? I know. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. is that the weirdest thing ever? That Do you really think that he knew 20 years ago that he was going to be on American Idol? Giving people, and he's amazing on it. Yeah. He's just, yeah. I don't even watch American Idol, but I hear my wife and people tidbits. The first week alone, Aerosmith sold six million albums. When he was an American Idol, because he opened up a fucking pletcher. I mean, people do not know about it. And yeah, I'm sure they bought Love on an Elevator and uh -huh. all that latest shit. But if they bought the deep shit, the shit that they were on, one of the best music books you could ever buy. I know we have a lot of readers. Uh, this kid, Mickey Ward from Boston, wrote me an email and said that he bought uh, TJ English's books and that they were brilliant, you know, uh, Van and Nocturne. And, and I always try to give book recommendations. If you've never read the Aerosmith book, Read it and bring cigarettes and a joint with you because it's as real as it gets. It's not a Henry Hills type story that one guy's telling you a story. Now, uh, is this the one that Steven Tyler wrote? Steven Tyler and the rest of the band get collaborated on it. So I come to Felicia and say, Felicia, uh, June 18th, you did Brea Improv with Joey Diaz. Tell us what happened. You're like, oh, first off, I knew it was going to be a bad night because <laughs> when he picked me up, he was shooting heroin in the car. Because when he picked me up, he was smoking pot. Yeah. And he smoked it incessantly till we got to the gig. Said, and he Brea, wouldn't and he tell did me 90 what then, time uh, the, the show yeah, was. You know, he didn't tell me what position I was in. <laughs> so what they did was they told, yeah, they told Stephen Tyler, tell your story about right. that night. Yeah. And then they would ask three of the bandmates to tell their side of the story. Oh, right. Which is brilliant yeah. to me because somewhere along the those four stories is the truth Absolutely. and all the stories are pretty much the same except what different people saw which is very what interesting. different people took away from it <clears throat> which is very interesting and if you ever read this book he lived in the dungeons of heroin when they were doing I think rocks or toys in the attic they rented a house in Boston they were living like fucking pigs they were living like pigs. They wouldn't even talk to each other. They had to sign a piece of paper every morning. You had a piece of paper. You had to sign to what time you wanted the studio. So the guitar player would go down Joe Perry and lay his tracks. The other guy would have to... That's how much they hated each other. But it wasn't even hate. It was fueled hate from heroin. It was hate that, you know, he has a girlfriend and he don't. She comes on the road with us. She's a whore. You know, I mean, if you listen to anything about... I mean, he, they didn't even know that Liz... Tyler was his daughter. His mother was such a freak. She didn't know if it was his daughter or Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren. Thank you very much. Pull that out of my ass. You bad mother. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yay. Da, 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 da. But still, if you had the choice of Todd Rundgren, yeah, I Steven mean, Tyler, it's all a win-win situation. Then, and then she took her to see him. <laughs> yeah. And then that's when he she turned to him and said, "That's my dad, bro." Yeah. That's my dad. It's a great story. But, you know, do you think when he was in the fucking dungeon, when he was in all this shit, he was thinking about that? He never even thought he was going to live to 60. Yeah. He never even had an idea he was going to live to 60. Never mind now he's telling other people. And I, I told my wife the other day, I go, bro, wait till you hear his next album because that's the worst thing you could do to a real artist is, 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 is uh, motivate him with young art. 
Because uh-huh. he's on there now. Yeah. Like, his mind is fucking cooking when he's yeah. on there. And he's like, look at these young motherfuckers. You start thinking about what you're seeing and the different... Uh, because people, I, think, I guess you sing other people's songs. Right. So, you, you know, and, and it's just amazing that... You know, I get emails about people that they don't know where their life is going and they're 21 or 22. Did you fucking think Steven Tyler knew after my friends punched him in the fucking face? You know, I sat there the other night. I'm like, I wish America knows this, where this guy was. Yeah. This is a real success story right in front of your fucking Absolutely, face. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer Lopez shook her ass on In Living Color and Randy Jackson. I don't know what the fuck he did. But this guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy is the real fucking deal. This is, this is a guy who's lived through three decades of rock music yeah. you know has seen and i just i really want our, our listeners or viewers or whatever you call them to really take a, a look at this guy because we always look for somebody for motivation or to really inspire us and i never looked at him for inspiration in that way but just walking through the living room and seeing my wife watch him and i watched him it's like wow did you think that motherfucker knew this when he was shooting heroin, you where his life know. was going to fucking take you him. don't know. That's why in your heart, all you can do is believe and be optimistic and just keep waking up and being as nice yeah, as you live can. live your fucking life without putting so much shit on it. And don't talk about mean? being positive because you get talk about being positive, then you ain't really fucking positive. Just live your life just a certain positive. way. Be positive. Fuck it. And it's, uh, I really applaud them, and I think Beauty and the Beast should really fucking applaud them just because that's the Absolutely. people we look at. Absolutely. This motherfucker, you know, and, and when we're 21, we don't know. You know, I get a lot of emails. Hi, I'm 22 when you're podcast, or I'm 21. And I try to put my head where they're at when they're 21 and 22. And Jesus Christ, is it fucking scary to be 21 and 22, to think of where your life is going or where you want it to be or what you want to be. And you know what? Just fucking keep it, believing. And it just kind of happens to you. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, even though I was doing the stripping and I drove to L.A. because I wanted to be a comedian, but I didn't know what this was going to lead into. To me, to me at the time, I was just like, I'm going to try the comedy and, and I'll do the stripping, but I should really get a fucking job. You know what I mean? Like I didn't look what happened if you just, uh, you know, Wake up every day and live your fucking life with. And I'm not even talking about being a millionaire and yeah, being on, no, on, on Yo MTV Cribs. I'm talking about the last result is happiness. And I tell you, like I said, I don't really watch the show, but when I look at him, I can tell on his face he's very happy because he's where he wants to be, working with music. And little did he know this was the avenue. Somebody wrote an email to me the other day and they said that they really want they got an acceptance into a school for music, but the parents couldn't afford it, so they got a job doing data entry and I said between you and I in this situation in your life you have to think outside the box keep your day job keep your dream alive but also at the same time do something in that field there's something you could do in the music industry that'll keep your dream alive and keep you going that doesn't have to actually be doing that and I never realized this till I was no, reading the absolutely, email absolutely because when I gave up comedy and I <coughs> went to photography uh, uh, it wasn't like no, now I'm going to be a photographer it was like you know what I really want to learn uh, about photography I don't even know how to do it how do I do it well, I'm going to look around me. Anyone that has any connection to photography or if there's any kind of class or even a place where other photographers hang out or, you know what I mean, I'm just going to go and buy myself a drink and sit there. You know, sometimes it's that simple. If you are having a dream, the simplest thing sometimes you can do is get your ass out of the chair, open the front door, and for two hours go at least sit where other people have the same idea. 
You know what I mean? Something like, just to live. It your- doesn't have to be this grandiose, huge thing because if you just devote a little bit of time for yourself, and by the way, that's uh, going back to devoting time to yourself. If you just go do it, uh, two to five hours a week. I'm telling you, the next week you'll do it five to ten hours a week. And if you did that for three months, something will happen. And it doesn't have to be the same thing every time, but something for yourself. That's a beautiful thing. And now for our word from our sponsors. First off, Skin Industries. Skin Industries. For all your athletic apparel needs, go to skinindustries.com. And take a look at what they got. They also have a couple shirts left, a couple of limited edition Beauty and the Beast shirts yes. left. I have to send some out next week to some people. Remind me, Felicia, that's something I you have to do. You gotta do that, dude. Yeah. I keep fucking forgetting. Let's you give a shout that. out to Adam and Eve. Yes, thank you, Adam and Eve. If you wanna get some sexual toys, just go to the Adam and Eve website and put Felicia in the promotional box and you will get 50% off and free shipping. By the way, you could put, you know, like, uh, uh, my left heel is numb and you would still get the 50%. <laughs> and I but why not a, put my name? <laughs> and I want to give a shout out to whoever's looking for a shout out. A lot of people on the comment know, page are always at war that. over fucking I shout know. outs. I didn't get a shout out and I befriended Felicia. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying real hard Here's but I forget sometimes Here's people and you got to remember yeah, when I'm you come sorry, here sometimes I do make mental notes to give you a shout out and on the way over here something happens and we get in conversation. Yes. Look at the one guy with the dental company the other day in Rochester. He came up to me during the show and he said, give me a shout-out. And I got confused in the show for 50 minutes. And I got here on the podcast and remember and gave him a shout-out. So bear with us, bitches. We love all you motherfuckers. Yes. We really do. I really do. Last, I do, night when I I was, last night when I was answering emails, I was thinking to myself, in another life, I wouldn't answer the email to none of these cocksuckers. But you guys, the emails are so fucking good. And now, like I told you, there's nothing like being with... Uh, people of your self-mind. What, what's people say? Being with your peers or whatever. Yeah, and that are like-minded. Like-minded. It's mm-hmm. so weird because now I'm getting emails and we're all like-minded because people are sending emails that had problems, are ballsy enough to write about their situation or what happened to me. And then I, re- I, I get fucking amazed reading some of these emails. I really do. You know, and like I said, keep them coming. Beauty and the Beast, what is it? Uh, Beauty and the Beast podcast at gmail.com. You can also email us directly through the website or you could leave a comment. And I'm sorry I forgot the gentleman's name who wanted to shout out, but you know who I am. You were you were on the comment board right after Mike from the UK or something. But here's your shout out, anonymous dude. I bet you're a fine hunk of a man. Uh, please don't be angry with us. Uh, we're just trying to get by day by day. And where's my man Nicholas from the UK? I'm going to give you another shout that's, out. Yeah, that's what it was not. Because was everybody's Nicholas. beating the fuck out of Nicholas now. They're telling him to go fuck himself and this and that. And Nicholas is hard with yeah. at home with a he's, he's, huge he's, he's, stick. Then he has his hand on it like everybody's talking about me. Everybody's talking about me. Squirt, everybody's squirt, squirt. So I'm working on Spider-Man 2. <clears throat> and I get on the set, and it's a train scene, so we're always in the train. I was such a big guy that Sam Raimi used to say, Joe, I can't have you in here. Just go to your, <laughs> just go to your room, dog. You make me nervous. Just go to your room. And I would always come in and break his balls. Great guy. And, and, and there's a little girl on the train. I didn't know who she was. I just thought she was a little girl, and I would watch, and she'd insult people all day. Like, hey, you, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. And I would sit there and go, oh, my God, I love this little girl. And how old was she? She had to be 13, fucking teen. 13. 13, 12. Little glasses. And her mother would come and get her. And the mother was attractive. You could see the mother was attractive in her day. She had gained some weight because of the kid or whatever, you know, over the years. But she was very attractive. 
So this is like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday while they train. Well, then Monday, uh, I get to 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 the set, uh-huh. and I don't know nothing. They have, I'm a spy. I'm it's it's a 2003. I'm fucking broke, and pomegranate juice was hot. You know, it was like nine dollars. And I always would do, do blow, so I always wanted to clean out my system with pomegranate juice. <laughs> so here I'm going to the set, Spider Man Two, where they had pomegranate juice by the gallons. On Fridays at Sony, they give you lobster tails and steaks. And these idiots wouldn't eat the steak with a lobster tail. I'd eat 19 lobster tails on a Friday because I was on that set for a long time, uh-huh. for three weeks. So it just so happened that that Monday I go on to get juice and whatever the fuck I'm doing. There's some guy sitting next to me and he goes, hey man, what's up? And he goes, so you're the Joey Diaz that my daughter keeps coming home and talking about. And I'm like, who's your daughter? And he goes, you know, the girl on the train, the little one. And he goes, well, what's the deal? Now, he's not, he's not mad. He's yeah. just talking to me. He goes, yeah. what's the deal? He goes, let me, let me give you some background on my daughter. She hates fucking everybody. But she didn't shut her fucking mouth up about you all weekend. Joey this and Joey that. What's going on? You and my daughter. I go, nothing, man. I, I just, we're on the train. We're goofing, you know. Okay, end the conversation. She comes up to me. I call her ma, the mother. Now, by this point, I'm calling her ma. I don't know who this fucking guy is. Right. I have no idea. Day two. I go in again, and he's like, hey, what's up, hey, what's up? So what I would do is, this movie had so many people working on it that they would put you in apartments on the Sony lot. A lot of people don't know. All the way at the end, they have apartments from the 50s and 40s where they had movie stars in there. I have to go and watch it. I don't know if you've ever seen those. So my room was in there, color TV, not a plasma, color TV, couch, a little bed, little refrigerator with water and sodas, and a phone. I could use long-distance calls. I didn't have a cell phone, and I had a pager. So I would get there in the morning, there'd be nobody there, 6 a.m. calls, and I'd roll a joint and smoke it. I never told you about this, Lisa. No. I'd smoke this huge fucking joint, put it out, and before anybody could come into the thing, I'd run to the Sony lot and get in the train and tell Sam Raimi, Raimi, can I talk to you for a second? Somebody keeps smoking pot in my fucking room, and I, I, I can't take it. And he would look at me like, Joey, that's the oldest fucking trick in the book. Right. Like, I would say it wasn't me. So I'd smoke and then run over there because you can't smoke on the lot. There's cameras right, everywhere. Right. So we'd have to smoke in the fucking building. So I'd smoke and then I'd run over there and go, Ramey, what the fuck? Somebody keeps smoking in my thing. I'm not coming back on this movie, so help me God. I'll call SAG. The whole time I'm giggling. Right. I'll call fucking SAG. I want the rep down here. Right. I don't do drugs. And he's like, Joey, get the fuck out of here. So finally, That's the fourth funny. day, the guy comes in, the guy I didn't know, with the daughter, and says, how you doing, man? He goes, hey, there's a word on the street that people smoke pot in your room and leave. And he winks at me, so I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's so cool. <laughs> so I'm to walk over, I go, hey, what's going on? Joey Diaz, he goes, I know who you are. I'm Papa Dykstra. So we go, we smoke, and he leaves. I go back and I go, who's this guy Dyson? And I'm like, bro, that motherfucker won an Oscar for Star Wars. When people shoot movies and they uh-huh. need art direction and right, shit, right. that's the motherfucker they oh, call. Awesome. He goes awesome. all over the world. He's a millionaire. He's Len Dykstra's cousin, the baseball player. He lives oh, in Calabasas yeah. and Malibu. They say his house is huge. He's a great guy. So I'm like, oh my God, here I am smoking dope with him on the train with his fucking daughter. I'm going to get fired. This is going to be ugly. So the next day I go in there and I see Dyke again. And he looks at me and goes, Go for a walk. This time he goes, I got a hiding spot. Come on, we'll just go over here. They ain't gonna say shit to me. I'm, I'm Dykstra. Right. So me and Dykstra are puffing on this fucking number. And all of a sudden, some lady pops her head open, the, the PA. Uh-huh. And she goes, Dykstra, they look, Mr. Dykstra, they're looking for you. And you, <laughs> go back. And she goes, Oh my God, are you guys smoking pot? <laughs> <laughs> right? 
So me and Dyke just look at each other like I got the joint man, and we're like, "Yeah, what's up with this?" She goes, "What is wrong with you?" And I felt for like two minutes, my face turned red, and I could see that he was like, "What the fuck is wrong with her?" And all of a sudden, something just sparked me. I go, "What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? If if you ain't the only reason why you're fucking mad at us is because you ain't high. That's what your problem is. You should be high." As a matter of fact, and I said at the time, it was like 9.30 in the morning, I go, if you ain't high by 10 o'clock, go fuck yourself. And I threw her out of the fucking thing. And he's howling. You know, it's been hard for me with this kid in Jersey with the cancer. It's eating me alive inside, but I'm not there with him. I'm not there helping him. I'm not there getting him a soda or driving him to his doctor's visits. Or, you know, he can't smoke pot because he's got lung cancer and he can't eat it because he's scared. It's already marbleized, whatever they call it in his lungs, you know. But I was telling you before, since like Thursday, I felt fucking horrible about myself because no matter what I do, no matter if even if it's good news, at the end of the day in bed, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, I should be there with him. I mean, the other day he called me. Did I tell you about this, please? Mm -mm. You know, we've been talking a lot lately since I came back from Jersey. And then he called two weeks ago and he goes, hey, are you just going to come after Philly? And I said, no, because I got to go back for this audition. He goes, well, go back and knock him down. I'm your good luck charm, you know. And uh, I came back, and then like Wednesday, he called me. He said that he got off the pain pills for his leg. And mm -hmm. I didn't think I didn't tell you about this. And he was having a hard time and stuff. So I told him, I said, you know, Burks, you got to get the fuck up. You know, I had to be a little harsh. You know, get the fuck up, guy. And that morning was the weirdest thing because it was 420. And for some reason, I was listening to Black Sabbath that morning. At 6 in the morning, my wife was like, what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> I got Sabbath bloody Sabbath on. I got Sweet Leaf on. I got fucking Sabotage on. <laughs> and I was just a new fucking man. I was just a new fucking man listening to that shit. And I dropped my wife off at 8.15. As I'm driving back, he calls. And I pull up to my house, and I'm talking to him, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, he's telling me about his day. And I'm thinking about my shit day, and I'm thinking about his day, and I'm thinking about his cancer. And he's telling me how, you know, he's having a hard time getting out of the house, that he has a phobia, that he's going to fall down. And he's so proud of himself that he doesn't even want nobody to know about the cancer. You know, like he's so fucking proud. So I can hear something in his voice, and I go, Burks, you got to fucking snap out of it today, dog. He goes, well, what do you expect me to do? I, he goes, go outside, there's no sun out. And I go, you don't need the fucking sun. I go, this is what you need, bitch. And he, you need to go in there right now and put on fucking Black Sabbath. You understand me? On the fucking computer. And he goes, well, what am I going to fucking put on? I don't even know. And I started singing Sweet Leaf to him. And by the third voice, by the third uh, verse, you know, it was the weirdest thing because he, I could hear his, he started perking up. Mm -hmm. Listening to me singing. When I first met you, I didn't realize. I'm no fucking Ozzy Osbourne, so don't look no, at me that way for me, sir. I can't forget you. Da, 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 da. And then I sang Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath to him. And in the middle of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, he started laughing. And I could hear that. He was laughing, laughing, laughing a little bit. And I couldn't believe that by me singing him that song, I made his fucking day. I'm the worst singer in the world. But it, it just proved to me that, man, sometimes it's not about money. It's not about hugs. I fucking made this guy's day on the fucking phone, you know? And he made my day because I made his day. So my day was complete, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm going through something right now that I, I, I wish I was in Jersey with him every day, at least in the mornings. 
just to make him a sandwich and break his balls because that's what he needs, Felicia. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need no fucking help. He wouldn't even take help. He just needs for me to call him a Nazi cocksucker and that you Germans are all a bunch of pukes. You know, because I always break his balls. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what happened 420. That's how I really got him laughing. He goes, so it's 420 and it's Hitler's birthday. Isn't that fucked up? (laughs) (laughs) What? 420 is Hitler's birthday? Yeah, so last Wednesday, not only was it National Weed Day, but it's also Hitler's birthday. So, <laughs> oh and we were laughing on the phone. You know, he's he's one of the first German guys I met that I really fucking, I mean, he's the baddest motherfucker I've known in my life, you know, but uh, it's just so weird how lately that's just gave me a little bit of pleasure just singing him that song on the fucking radio or on the phone, you know, so. That is a great story. I gotta that get out of here before story. I start crying and shit. Cause what do you mean, star? You've been bawling for the last oh, five minutes quietly. That's I the only thing Joey does quietly is cry. <laughs> I fucking miss him, man. I miss yeah. him. I miss all my yeah. buddies. I got yeah. another buddy who lost his wife. This guy was the one who taught me everything about fucking comedy. He's the one who just... And, and now I, t- I talked to him yesterday. You know, he's quitting his job. And every time I talk to him, we giggle. And in the middle of conversation, he goes, Coco, I miss my wife. Oh, Oh, God damn. So if you have somebody who's sick or you have somebody who's down, you know, when we were starting to tell the story about people with problems, I didn't want people to think that we were just being narcissistic or mean or nothing. Oh, no, no. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a... I want to break it down for people that there's some people who just keep coming over your house and wearing you down. And by wearing you down with their problems, it sticks into your energy. And now you're not taking care of what you have to take care of. Yeah. But there's other people who genuinely need your help. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not about money or some bullshit story or a hug. It's just about maybe telling them a fucking funny story or calling them a cocksucker. That's the thing that's uh, the whole, no matter what your situation is with your friends, it's as you get older, you learn every day more about being a good friend. And, and, you know, like I still fucking learn, like even when I'm all pissy at my friend, like Jesus, snap out of it. You know, I learn like, you know what? My thing is I need to be more compassionate. You know, you? Uh, oh, yeah, I feel I like I need to be more fucking compassionate. You're the sweetheart of hearts. Nas- no, with the you're fucking party you threw yesterday, you really made people's uh, day. That's compassion. But, but it's all about you know, and also uh, it's just about friendship, and your friendship grows, and you just want to try to be the best friend you can be. But you also gotta hold your your own ground too. You know, so. it's funny because my mom used to tell me I live and die blah, for blah, your blah. friends, and I've always believed that, man. I've always fucking believed that, and I love when I, I just love different. I love when I can help somebody. I really love when I can fucking help somebody and make somebody's day, you know, in the obscurest way. Not by giving them money or something stupid, just in the obscurest way. It means so much to me. So if you could do that for somebody else, please. I made uh, my kid's day, and uh, uh, I was at Jamba Juice the other day, and uh, we were ordering smoothies, and my youngest son had pistachios, and I was in a hurry, and there was a cute little girl behind the counter, and I'm like, you know, son, uh, show the young lady your nuts. And like the whole Jamba Juice, because I was kind of scolding, like, son, come on, show the young lady your nuts. The whole Jamba Juice froze, and everyone looked at me. <laughs> and my kids are never going to forget it. Gonna... You know, they've been busting my balls ever since. Oh, when they're 20 at graduation. Young son, show the nuts, and the girl just laughed. But you know what? It made her day, because she was like trying to be all serious in the Jamba Juice, and she laughed so hard. Fuck them pale motherfuckers at Jamba Juice. I love Jamba I Juice. I love Jamba Juice, too, but they got a lot of sugar. Anyway. <laughs> we love you. I love you, Felicia. Thank you very much for making my Easter uh, a You're great very, Easter very and opening welcome. your home I'm glad to a lot of people. Life. And everybody was having a fucking great time. We did have a good time. We did. I love you. Have a, a great week to all you cocksuckers out there. Email us 
or anything you want to talk about or any shout outs and we'll try to accommodate you the best we can yes and uh, uh, Joey is now going to put his head on my bosom and I'm going to wipe his tears away no and I'm okay <laughs> I just had to get that out because it's I been bothering me I would do that for me. you though Joey oh I, I know it's that. been bothering me that. from the other day okay All I right. love you guys bye stay black